Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, find Matthew chapter 25, as we're going through the book of Matthew. And if you would like to know where we're at tonight, and you are a great big studier of end times, uh, you could flip over to the uh, 19th, uh, 20th chapter, and you can see how this all unfolds. Some people believe that this judgment is uh, there at the beginning of chapter 20. Some believe it is at the end of chapter 20. And so wherever you fill on that, you can just have your fill of it. Um, but tonight I want to continue as we're looking at a series on being ready, how we are to be ready. And you say, wait a second, Jake, you mean we've got to talk about judgment again tonight? Correction again tonight? How many Sundays in a row? Uh, can you beat us to death about the church being the church? Well, I guess until the Lord calls me home. Uh, because the church is, I believe, something that's very special. It's something that's very sacred. It is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the people who are going to go into the highways and the byways. We are the ones that are going to go to the lost and the broken who have no hope who have nothing to look forward to and take them the message that Jesus died for them, that He loves them, that He arose from the dead. And if they will repent, they can know Him. They can have an eternity with Him. And when we come to chapter 25 and verse 31, uh, we look here at the Lord judging. And this has been used as a passage of Scripture for many different things. Some people will look at this passage of Scripture and look at this list and say, this is what the church is to be doing. They're to be feeding the hungry, giving drink to those who thirst, to clothing the stranger and taking care of the sick and visiting the prison. And so when you think about those ministries, you have probably all been in a church that has some form of them. If you're in the hospital and you tell me about it, I will come visit you. If you have a loved one in prison, we go and do prison ministry. We have a food pantry. We do clothing drives. We do all of these things. And they are a good list of things for the church to do, but the heart behind them is what the Lord is evaluating. And the reason the church does what it does. Tonight I want you to know that I wish I could just write a book at some point. I hope that I'll be old and some of you will not be here anymore. You'll be in glory. And, and I'll write this book about the stupid things that go on in church. Right? I cannot begin to tell you the amount of people that will stroll in on a Sunday and be like, Pastor, I would love for us to do this. Well, I would love for you to do that too. Why don't you just take the bull by the horns and get after it? Well, no. No, no. I'm not called to do it but I think we should do it. Well, would you like to help us do it? No, 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 wait, Pastor. I don't think I should lead it. I don't think a part of it. I think you should do it. And the people pleaser that I am, I'm all for it, all right? I will probably do it. But I can tell you this, that not everyone who sits on church, not everyone who sits in a Sunday school class, not everyone who chairs a committee, not everyone who teaches Sunday school, not everyone who is a deacon, not everyone who is a deacon's wife, not everyone who is influenced and is the who's who's of the church is here for the right reason. Many of them are here for many other reasons. And what Jesus does tonight is He separates them into two groups. 
And what he says is the why behind what you do is the heart that he sees. Now, can we all have bad motives? You bet we can. Can we all become selfish? Can we all become self-centered? Can we all want our way more than someone else? Absolutely. But when it comes to serving Jesus, and each and every one of us standing before Him someday, He is not going to just look at the what you did. It will be the why that you did it. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 1, the Bible says these words, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And if you don't know what beseech means, it means to exhort, encourage, to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That can be summed up in one word, humility. Paul is saying, be humble. Your heart and my heart should be led by a humility that comes from the Spirit of God. And so tonight as we go through this passage of Scripture, I really hope that the Spirit of God will deal with you as I have prayed for Him to deal with me, to show me, God, why do I do what I do? I think it is even more important for pastors to pray this way and to evaluate this because I am one of the few people that is being paid to be here today. And while I tell myself on a regular basis, if I was a hireling, I would not preach the things that I do because many a better pastor has gotten fired for less. (laughs) But I have to ask myself, why do I do what I do? If the church had no money and I had to get a job, would I still do it? Would I still serve God if everything else was taken away? Tonight, would you say the same thing? Could you serve God no matter if anyone ever noticed it? Would you continue to serve God if nobody ever celebrated? It is no secret that my favorite committee in this church is the fellowship committee. They make the best funeral dinner meals I have ever eaten. But it's not the food that I love. I mean, I love the food. But it's the ministry that they do to families in their time of need. I believe it is a great gift that we have to love people when they lose a loved one. But if I never say anything about the nursery committee, don't ever say anything as often as I should about the missions committee, or if I don't say as much about the personnel committee, are you still willing to serve if no one recognizes You're sacrificed. And so tonight I hope that you will let the Spirit of God deal with you as I pray He'll deal with me. And if you would, pray with me. And we're going to jump right in. Father, tonight I ask for forgiveness. Lord, uh, for the struggles that I have, for the sins that I have. God, that you would help me tonight to, Lord, preach your word with boldness, truth. Lord, that your Spirit would take the words that are spoken. And God, that you would uh, sift through them. And let your words come forth, Lord, that your spirit would take the preaching of your word and continue to transform this church into the church that you want us to be. Father, help us to be a beacon in this community, a light on a hill. And Lord, a church that you can use for your glory. And God, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, the first thing I'd like to show you from this text is the Lord is going to be victorious. The Lord is going to be victorious. Look there in verses 31. When, it doesn't say if, 
It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say it's a possibility. He says when. When is ensuring that it is going to happen at some time. It's kind of like when I say this. It is not a question of if Brother Bill and I are going to eat at Foxy's again. It is when. That's just the way it goes. Every week we eat. And every week we fellowship. And so in our life, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. In my walk with Christ, it's not a question of if I am going to struggle. It is when I'm going to struggle. But in this sense, it is a positive. It is a guarantee. It is a promise. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. Whatever you believe, whether it's the end of the tribulation period, the Lord comes back on His white horse, the Lord destroys His enemies, whether it's the beginning of the thousand-year millennial reign, wherever you fall in that, it is the promise that Jesus is coming back, Jesus is going to defeat His enemies, Jesus is going to reign, and that we win. And it is hard sometimes to think about that in the world that we live. We watch uh, some people in a certain colored house that don't even know where he's at most of the time. And it's uh, watching a political party that is passing everything that God's Word says is wrong. And it's just a continual uh, dis disregard and disrespect for God. And it's constantly a challenge for us to be reminded that we do not worship a man. We do not bow at a political party. We serve a king. We serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we see this when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. Then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another. Now some people believe this is a nation separating like America and Israel. I believe it is the people of the nations. And he goes on and says, And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for three of you. I'm glad you're going to be there with me. For you, from the foundation of the world. God knew you were going to be with Him. God has prepared a place for you. God's building you a mansion. God is showing you the way. And you and I should rejoice in this fact that I'm going to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it, but if you're not there, I'm still going. And you've got to live that way. God has not just prepared it for Himself. He has prepared it for those who love Him. We should celebrate this truth. Come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. These verses have been used by some groups to show that you have to work your way to heaven. But Jesus was not talking about earning God's love. He was not talking about if you do these things, then you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. He is saying that you did these things as an overflow to the heart that you had for God. He as an overflow of the salvation that God had given to you. 
but it is also a reminder that God is going to hold us accountable. I know we do not like to talk about that in the church today, that God is going to judge, that God is going to hold accountable, that God is going to evaluate each and every one of us. But in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 11, the Bible says these words, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Don't miss the second part of verse 12 when it says the Word of God pierces. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Most of us would say God's going to evaluate my outward works. God's going to evaluate what I do, and there is to that. But the Word of God is not just about your exterior. It's not about what you do. The Word of God is given to us so the Spirit of God can pierce to the very core of who you are. The secret places of your heart. The secret places of your spirit that no one else knows that there's something else. That little corner of your heart that's holding on to unforgiveness. That little corner of your heart that's got that anger, that bitterness, that brokenness. And those Areas of your life where the intent and thought drives you to be who you are. The Bible says the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, reaches way down into there. And not only does it reach way down into there, you and I will give an account for it. Now, I know that you're not this way, but I can have some extremely wicked thoughts. And I can have some really wicked motivation. And I can do things in my mind and in my heart that I know are not pleasing to God. And what Jacob Gray can do is I can justify them. They had it coming. That's why you all are in a black book. Every family has a black book, a page in the black book. I still pray for you every night. I do miss some nights anymore, but every night I try to pray for each and every one of you. But not just you, but every family who has ever been a part of this church since I have been here is in the white book. I didn't want to die and someone find the little black book and think these are the people I didn't like. So they're in the white book, all right? And I still pray for them every single night. And some nights it's not for them. Sometimes it's for me. To keep the bitterness out of the heart. To keep the frustration out of the heart. To keep the coldness from setting in. Why? Because our hearts are deceitfully Wicked. And if we're not careful, the Spirit of God, if we're not yielding to Him and letting Him lead us and guide us, things will begin to sneak into our life and in our heart that do not please God. Second thing I want to show you tonight is the Lord is going to be victorious, but that the Lord speaks to those whose real faith and fruits of their labor. Look what it says here, because He tells them what they have done. Then the righteous will answer, Him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? Now, many people think this is like a uh, 15-year-old girl with blonde hair that doesn't know what's going on. Now, that's not a stereotype. I live with enough females I can make that reference, okay? 
What he's saying is they were living for him, but were not keeping track. They weren't saying, well, don't you remember when I went on that mission trip and I did this? Don't you remember when we did this? The mark of true humility is to live for Jesus, to serve Jesus, and not even worry about what happens. To feed the poor, to care for the sick, to visit those in prison, and not to make a big deal out of it because that's what God wants me to do. I shouldn't need a parade. I shouldn't need recognition. I shouldn't need all of these things just because I am being who God wants me to be. Now, I believe you ought to thank people. I believe you ought to be kind to people. I, to, I believe you ought to recognize people. All of those things. But if you want to know where you are spiritually, really spiritually with the Lord, do something for God and let someone else get the credit and see how it bothers you. Yeah, that was pleasant, wasn't it? Oh, don't you remember? I had a, had a situation one time where someone said, hey, so-and-so drove me on the bus when I was a little kid. Man, they brought me to church, and, and but I just think so much of them. I went up and asked that person. I said, hey, did you bring so-and-so to church on the bus? I don't know, it was probably the 70s or the 80s. I don't know. Some of you have been here long enough to remember that, but I wasn't born yet. So, uh, but uh, And they said, well, that wasn't me. I said, well, no, kid. So I asked someone else, and they said, well, that was me. Why did they get credit? Why did they seek so highly of them? I said, come on, it's been 40 years. You're all old by now. Anyway, don't worry about it. Just kidding, just kidding. But that was the heart. Well, I was the one that did it. I was the one that should get recognized. I'm the one who should get the credit. Friends, if you want to know where you're at with God, when someone else gets the credit and you just say they did a good job, doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's 10 Mile. doesn't matter if it's another church. It doesn't matter if it's you. It's your Sunday school class. It matters that you are being who God wants you to be, where He has you in the season that He has you in. You ought to want one thing to bring glory and honor to God, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if anyone ever recognizes it. It doesn't matter if anyone ever sees it. It doesn't matter if anyone ever knows it. That's why the Bible continually tells us to do our good works, not before men, but that where our heavenly Father can see us. That's why Jesus scolded those who only wanted to pray in front of people and said, no, 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 go into your closet, pray privately, quietly, and God in heaven will reward you. Now, do there have to be committees? Do there have to be chair people? Do there have to be treasurers? Do there have to be people that get recognized? Absolutely. And what I'm trying to say to you through this sermon is, next month is pastor appreciation, and the only thing that I want is to be left alone. Just throwing that out there. You've heard the sermon, now live it, okay? Amen. So, so they literally begin to ask this. When did we do this? So let's just go through this. When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these brethren, you did it to me. I want you to think of it kind of like this. Maybe there was a single mother that lived up the street from you. Her husband or boyfriend was a deadbeat, wasn't involved. She was trying to raise those kids by herself. 
She never asked anything from you, but you just happened to drop off some money around Christmas time for her to buy that Christmas present for her children. You have been there for a family in need. Maybe it was a person who had just come out of a prison, come out of a drug addiction, and you gave them a job when no one else would. Maybe it was that new family at church that wasn't as popular or wasn't as fancy or wasn't as rich as someone else, and you reached out to them or kind to them, build a relationship to them. Maybe it's the dozens of families that this church helps financially that no one will ever know about. We don't put it in our financial report that we paid electric bills, light bills. The deacons don't stand before you every month and say, we help this family and that family and this family. Why? Because it's none of your business. But it's the church's business to be about caring for the poor, for caring for those in need. And so tonight I want to encourage you to love Jesus, to live out these fruits and look for nothing in return, but know that your Father in heaven sees it. And He knows it. Psalm 71, it's a wonderful psalm. It says this in verses 1 through 3, and then we'll look at verses 4 through 6 later. We give thanks to You, O God. We give thanks for Your wondrous works. Declare that Your name is near. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all of its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillar firmly. As you serve the Lord and you will be wronged, you will be taken advantage of, you will be misused, do not let your heart grow cold. We just had a missions committee meeting about buying motorcycles for Africa and, and uh, not just the kind that you dirt bike with, but for ministry and, and supporting evangelists and all those things. And we did that because why? God has been good to us. God has blessed this church in every way possible. And it is our responsibility to take those blessings and to give them. Not because it's what we can do, not because it's what we want to do, not because we want the recognition, but it's because it's what honors God. And I believe that if God's people will be generous to missions, I believe that this church will support missions and give sacrificially that God will open up and supply everything that we need locally. I believe the greatest thing you can do for a church is be mission-minded. I don't mean send money to Springfield or money to the mission board. I mean do real ministry. Reach people. Care for people. Be there for people. If you will do those things, God will see from heaven. And one of these days, whether it's at this judgment or whatever judgment you believe, He will say, I saw you. I watched it. I witnessed it. And here is your reward. Third and final thing, though, because it was awful positive up until this point, and so you knew it probably had to have something in there that wasn't positive. The Lord speaks to those with false faith and their lack of fruit. The Lord speaks to those with false faith and their lack of fruit. Look what it says in verse 41. Then He will say to those on His left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. 
Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? If you have more than one child, you know that your children are dramatically different. Uh, many kids as we've got, we've got every personality on the spectrum, all right? Uh, good and bad, up and down the list. They've all got traits, they've all got faults, and we've got a bunch of them. Some kids, you can ask them to do something and they will not do it. Some kids, they see the need and they just do it. And I tell my kids all the time, I don't want to have favorites, but it's starting to look like I might. But uh, just kidding, just kidding, it's just a joke. But some kids are easier to love than others. Some people are easier to love than others. And what you probably know is, some kids will never make an excuse, they will just do it. But some kids seem to be their gift is to make excuses for what they didn't do. Take a shower. Yeah, not a problem. 45 minutes later, why aren't you in the shower? Well, you know, I was hungry. I understand that. That's always a good excuse for me because I understand being hungry. Well, then I needed to go to the bathroom. Well, then somebody else was in the shower. Then I had to do some homework. Well, then I forgot. Then I got hungry again. That's why I know they're mine. And, uh, and after 45 minutes, like, just take a shower. Some of them don't want to be dirty. They're in their first thing. They're ready. They're going to jump in there. They're going to get clean, right? They know the water gets cold. Some of my kids are smarter than the other ones, right? You take the first shower, you take the first shower, it's going to be warm. You take the sixth shower, tough it up, all right? It's just the way life goes. But think about this. These individuals knew they were wrong, but begin to ask when. Why? What do you mean? And friends, tonight I want you to know on the great day of judgment, most people will not defy God because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It will be, what do you mean? I was a good person. You will meet very few true atheists. Very few. And most of those are just angry at God. It will be, but God, I was a member of a church. I was baptized when I was a baby. I took the Lord's Supper. I was nice to that classmate. I did good things. It will be full of the why, the when. When did I have an opportunity to believe? When did I hear the gospel? When could have I been saved? Those are the questions that we see. And the Lord responds in verse 45. Then. He will answer. I don't want you to miss this. It's just like when. It's not an if. The Lord's not going to say, well, you know what? You'd have got saved if you could have heard some good preaching unlike Jake. Or You're right. You're right. You probably would have been generous if I'd have given you more money. You know what? You'd have probably loved your wife if she'd have just been a little bit nicer. It's not an if. It's a then. Your friends, at that day of judgment, it will be too late. There will be no excuses. There will be no arguing. It will be, this is the accusation against you, and here is the judgment. Friends, just because we can argue everything now, 
was talking to a lady that works in the law office today. And I said, I bet that's a lot of fun. I mean, that just sounds like it would be a real joy. She said, well, right now the big thing is people suing home builders. And I went, oh, really? She said, well, yes, because some made bids before COVID, and those bids are no longer valid. It's not like everything has went up 60% or more. And so homeowners are suing to get those bids honored. And building companies are suing to raise the prices to cover their cost. I said, well, that sounds pretty fair. Yes. She goes, but some businesses are trying to rip off people for those right price increases. And so she said they're arguing in court. What's fair? What's not fair? What's right? What's wrong? What you should charge? What you should pay? And we literally have a country that sues and argues and fights about everything. By the way, the Bible says that Christians are not supposed to sue other Christians. I just want to throw that out there to you. All right? But friends, on the day of judgment, it will not be so. There will be no arguing with God. There will be no explaining with God. It will be, this is the accusation I have made. And then, then He will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I shared with you three verses from Psalm 71, and I want to share you the next three verses from Psalm 71. He talked about righteous judgment. And then he says, I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. He says the heart and the action. He goes on and says, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. I believe that is why it is so important for you to be somewhere where the Word of God is preached. The Word of God is taught. Who God is is communicated to you through the Word of God. And it is because on the day of judgment, it will not be the judgment of Ten Mile Baptist Church. It will not be the judgment of the Illinois Baptist State Association. It will not be the judgment of the Southern Baptist Convention. It will not be the judgment of the Republican or Democratic Party. It will not be the judgment of Jacob Gray. He is the judge. And He will hold us accountable by His Word. I don't know if you know this or not, but this morning was extremely uncomfortable. You say, no, Jake, not for us. Liars. We literally had to discuss about when God had to deal and judge King David. He literally lost a child because of his sin. And we can blame it on David, and it was absolutely David's fault. But who executed that judgment? God did. You say, Jake, that's not a God I want to serve. It doesn't matter if it's a God you want to serve or not. It's the God that you will 
serve. He is perfect in every way. He's holy in every way. And while He is merciful and gracious and long-suffering, and I believe the Bible teaches us that He is not willing that any should perish. But friends, there will be a place called hell full of people. And if you remember what the rich ruler said, right? This place is terrible. Send someone to my brothers. But friends, I want you to know there will be no second chances. You say, well, Jake, I was raised where there's perfect purgatory or I was raised where there was Mormon and you can be baptized and you can leave it. It's not biblical. And so tonight I want to challenge this church to be the church. To be the church that is doing what other churches won't do by using the gifts and talents that God has given us for His glory. I don't believe it's an accident that God has sent you to this church. I don't believe it is an accident that God has given you the abilities and talents that He's given you, the spiritual gifts that He has given you. And one of these days, my desire is to be able just to say, well, Lord, I did it and didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about going and visiting people in the hospital, going and praying with people. That's just what God's people are supposed to do. It shouldn't be a question of should we support missionaries or should we support the homeless or should we have a food pantry or should we have clothing ministries or should we do these things? No. We do them because it's what God wants of us. And we want to do it. And so tonight, I think that that is the best example is of Jesus. Literally, He took on flesh, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death, was buried and rose again for sinners. For people who could give Him nothing in return. Who could not repay Him. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. But yet He knew us and loved us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that He did. I'm glad that I, that I can stand here knowing my past and knowing that it's forgiven. That's all right. Some of you think much highly about your past than what it was. I'm glad that I can stand here knowing tonight when I fail Him and don't deserve it that I am still in the palm of His hand. And He has called us to go and to love a lost and broken world that same way. You say, oh, Jake, I don't have any problem going overseas. I don't have any problem going to East St. Louis. Your mission field might be the person that lives with you that you can't stand. It might be those children that have hurt you so many times that you can't hardly pray for. It might be the prodigal that your heart's grown hard to that you've stopped praying for. Tonight, would you get along with God and say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my motives. Search me. And tonight, maybe you're here and you're lost. You've never trusted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to know something, that He loves you. And He died for you. And there's nothing you can do to earn His love. But He has freely offered it to you. But you'll have to repent. Turn from your wicked ways. And put your faith and trust in Him. And if you will do that, the Bible gives us a wonderful promise. That if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Pray with me. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for this church and the people in it. 
Lord, I thank you for the way that they serve you, the way they love you. But God, tonight I pray that you would show us more. More of the areas that we can step out in faith. More of the areas of our life that we're not serving you for the right reasons. And God, that we would just be a people that want to bring you glory and honor in everything that we do. Father, tonight for that person that's here that maybe is realizing that they're not where they should be. Their motives are wrong. Their motives are out of whack. God, that tonight would be the night that they'd get along with you and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Father, help us to those that can get discouraged and beat down to know that what we've been called to do is important. It matters. And we're going to do it no matter what the world thinks, what the peanut gallery thinks, but that we just want to be faithful. Father, I do pray tonight for anyone in this place that's lost, for the kids in the gym, for the kids in the children's wing. God, that tonight would be the night that someone would come to know you as the Lord and Savior of their life. Again, Lord, thank you for your many blessings, and we pray that you would be in charge of this time and that you would accomplish much for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.